Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, this morning I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I know we read in Genesis and we read there because it has to do with what Hebrews 11, 7 is talking about. And I also know that I told you we were done with Hebrews, or we're not quite done with Hebrews yet. Just one more message here this Father's Day before we begin a new series next Sunday in the book of Acts. And um, some of you may know that before I came to Dublin as the youth pastor and now your pastor, that I taught um, science, I taught uh, biology and chemistry in, um, in school, high school in Fayetteville. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that. I'm interested in those fields. And um, I was reading the other day about some recent advancements in our scientific understanding of DNA. And it was pretty amazing. It only proved that, that article only proved what the Bible, the God's Word, has um, so clearly taught us for so long. And that's this, that we all descend from a single set of human ancestors. What, what modern geneticists in that article called the mitochondrial Eve, well, that's none other than the Eve we find in the first few chapters of Genesis. Uh, our DNA family tree, it narrows as we go backwards and it bottlenecks because we all have a common human uh, set of parents in Adam and Eve. Now, when I was a kid in Sunday school or children's church, uh, VBS, I, we used to sing this song called Father Abraham. Do any of you know that song? I, I, it, I don't know how much truth I learned from it when I was a kid. It was a favorite because it had a bunch of motions. You had right arm, left arm, right foot, turn around, sit down, all that kind of thing. Um, and what it was teaching us is that Abraham is our spiritual father in regard to faith, but there's actually another bottleneck between him and all the way back to Adam. At the end of Genesis 5, we were introduced to a man named Noah. We read about him earlier, and in Genesis 6 to 9, we learn of all that happened. Uh, that makes each one of us here this morning, we are a descendant of Noah. Every single person that's on this earth is a descendant of Noah. Uh, we don't have time to go through the entire account back there in Genesis, but God gives us a Cliff Notes version here in Hebrews eleven seven, 7. Uh, and in this verse about Noah's faith, we receive a message from our father, our father God, but also uh, our human ancestor Noah. Let's read verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, he moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word this morning. We're so thankful, uh, first of all, for you, our heavenly Father, the one who gave us life. We're also thankful for what your word taught us back in Genesis 6 that we read earlier, and also here in Hebrews 11, what it teaches us, uh, a lesson from our, our long-ago ancestor, our father Noah. And God, there's a message for fathers here today through his example of how to impact our families, 
how to impact our communities, and in fact, this whole world, when we live in the faith that he lived in. I pray that you would use your word this morning, your Holy Spirit would drive it into our hearts, and if there's anything that needs to change, that we would have a, a heart that's yielded, soft, contrite before you, and that the worship we give you this morning would not stop here, but it would continue uh, with a life that's willing to be transformed and conformed to Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. At the beginning of verse 7 there, we learn about a warning that was received in faith by Noah. It talked about the peril. He was warned of some peril. Verse 7 tells us that our common paternal ancestor Noah, he received a warning from God. It says right there in verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God. And we already read about that warning earlier this morning. Genesis 6:13, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Uh, a few verses earlier, it recorded God has seen that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart, it was only evil continually, and that the Lord was actually sorry that he had made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart, it said there. And so the peril described in, in Genesis 6, and that's warned about right here in Hebrews eleven seven, is the upcoming judgment of God on, on humanity. For man's rebellious wickedness. The rebellion against God, it was universal. Well, so would be the judgment. It would be the end of all flesh. Man destroyed along with the earth. At the end of such horrendous and frightening verses, there's this one glimmer of hope that we read earlier. Genesis 6, 8 tells us, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we see that grace right here in verse 7 in the warning that God gave to Noah. Let's look at the plan. And the plan, according to Genesis 6, 17, what we read earlier, was that God was going to judge the earth by destroying it and by destroying almost all living things on it in a flood. But grace toward Noah and God in his grace toward the future of humanity in general and God in his grace even to all the animal life that God had created God gave Noah some plans as well, didn't he? Gave him some construction plans. What was Noah to do? It was to build an ark. It's to build a, a large boat to save himself and his family, the future of humanity, the future of animal life, when the rains would start. When something that Noah had never seen, never heard of, something he had never experienced would begin falling from the sky. And that's where those first two words of verse 7 here come in. By faith, Noah was warned of God. By faith, Noah had to receive this warning from God. By faith, Noah had to believe it and not dismiss the warning because it included things that were beyond his comprehension, his understanding, or his experience. Dads, you have the same warning given to you today. God's warned us in his word in Romans 3, 23, that every single human being that's ever been born and walked this earth, they are a sinner. I doubt that there is a father here who struggles with recognizing the reality that their son or their daughter is not 100% perfect all the time, that there are times they sin because they have a sin nature. And God further warns us in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. 
wages. It's what we have earned because of our sin. Jesus, in fact, warned us about anyone who dies without having trusted in him as Savior. Matthew 25, 41 to 46, Jesus said they will depart into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It's an everlasting punishment. That is a warning from God that we have all received in his word. Warning about things that we haven't experienced. We haven't experienced any of that yet. And we have to choose whether or not we're going to receive that warning, whether or not we're going to believe it by faith, just as Noah did. And like Noah, it's a warning that has eternally significant consequences for you, for your family, for your kids, based on the choice that you make, whether you're going to receive it and believe it. And like Noah's warning, the peril ahead, it's not only been described, but also like Noah's warning, God has a plan for you and your family to avoid that peril. Let's look at the warning responded to in faith. In the next phrase there, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear. Let's look at the belief. We know the choice that God's word says Noah made when he received the warning from God. He believed God. He moved with fear. And as usual, when God's word describes saving faith, it's so much more than um, some mental assent to a fact or to some truth. There's always action involved. It says he moved with fear. He received the warning. He believed the warning. And that resulted in some behavior because of that belief. He moved with fear. Do you know that there's not a dad out here, not a dad in the world that doesn't move with fear? You will move with fear. Fear of something. I can't help but think back to the book of Numbers when God had brought his people to the very edge of the promised land for the first time. And Moses was told by God to send in 12 spies. You know, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Joshua and Caleb went in, and just like the other 10, they saw what God had promised, and they saw this beautiful thing that God says, I want to give this to you. This is yours if you'll go in and take it. And they all said, yeah, it's amazing. But 10 of them, 10 of them came back and said, there's giants there. There's a strong people. There's fortified cities. We can't do it. Well, could they do it? Not by themselves. They couldn't do it. But God said they could do it. And God was going to help them do it. And some of those dads, yeah, dads. I know they're dads because of what they said. Their reason for not wanting to go in. They said, what about the women and the children? Were they moved by fear? They were moved by fear. Dads, you'll be moved by fear. You might be moved by fear, but I, I, I just want my... My son and my daughter, I want them to have the best in this world. I want them to get a good education. I want them to succeed in sports. I want them to succeed in school. And those are good ambitions. Those are good goals for you to have. But not if it ever gets in the way of a fear of God. It says he was moved with fear. A fear of God is the right kind of fear. That's what we need to have. Look at the behavior. It says he moved with fear and then tells us how he moved with fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his house. In Genesis 6, 14 to 16, records the ark's building plans that were given to God by Noah. It was a monumental ship. It required a massive amount of its materials. 
When I built that duck coop a few weeks ago, I was complaining about the $400 in lumber prices that it cost when I had to build that. I can't even think of what this ark would have been. Massive amount of time to build that. Dads, here's the good news. You don't have to build an ark. You don't have to build an ark. God's taken care of it for you already. God prepared it. The way to avoid the peril we talked about earlier, the way to avoid the peril of an eternal death in hell, it is not in an ark like Noah that you might have to make out of gopher wood. The ark that God prepared for you to lead you, yourself, and your family into, his plan only took two pieces of lumber, amen, to cross to Jesus Christ. The most treasured verse in Scripture, you know it. John 3, 16, God says there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm so glad that that verse I mentioned earlier, Romans 6, 23, it told us there that the wages of sin is death. I am glad it does not stop there, but that it continues on. And it says that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's your ark. He's your ark. God tells us in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So my question is, dads, have you responded in faith to the warning you've received right there? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can you look back to that time when you confessed your sin in prayer to God and trusted only in what Jesus did for you on that cross and in that empty tomb to save you from your sins? Here's the other question. Dads, are you taking your kids into that ark? Are you telling them about Jesus and the salvation that he offers? Are you doing it with your words? Are you doing it with your actions, with your deeds? Are you taking them to where they can hear that life-saving gospel message routinely so that they can respond to the warning that they've received? You don't have to build an ark for them. God's done that. But much like Noah you need to guide them to it. Doing all you can to get them in. Hebrews 11 says here that Noah moved with fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his house. There is not a more important task that God has given to a father. There's a lot you can do to be a good father. You can spend time with your kids. Loving their mom well helping them succeed in school, in sports, in life. But as one of my favorite pastors, Bodie Balcom, says, if I teach my son to keep his eye on the ball but fail to teach him to keep his eyes on Jesus Christ, I have failed as a father. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, that in the days immediately prior to his return and the coming judgment that we talked about earlier, it would be just like the days of Noah. What do you think? Are the days we live, we're living in right now, are they like the days of Noah? Is our earth filled with violence? Is our earth filled with people where the only imagination and intent of their thought, it's just, it seems like it's only evil continually and continually over and over? I think we are. It's interesting, when Jesus talked about that, though, in Matthew 24, he didn't mention any of that. He just says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I return. And actually, what he did mention was what else was going on back then in the days of Noah. See, that was going on. It was filled with violence. 
It was filled with people who the only uh, imagination, every thought, evil continually. But you know what else it was filled with? It was filled with people who were just living life. That's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 24. He said people were eating and drinking. They were marrying and they were giving in marriage. That doesn't really sound like evil continually, does it? I mean, that was going on, but so was this. There was wicked <laughs> people in rebellion against God, doing terrible things to other people. But there was also people who were just living life. Both of them heard the message from Noah. We've got people today, sometimes even in church, they're not violent. <laughs> and every imagination or thought of their heart isn't only evil continually, nothing like that. But they're just consumed with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and not really thinking a whole lot about God, not thinking about the future, not teaching their kids to think about God or the future. This is serious, dads. It's eternally significant. I mean, what we're talking about here, it's not just a matter of the future of your child. It's a matter of life and death. Get them to the ark, dad. I mean, I'm here. You're here. We're all here. If you go outside, every little critter that you see is here because Noah received the warning and Noah believed the warning and Noah responded to the warning of God in faith. What will you do with it? Get them to the ark, just like Noah did. There's a warning revealed in faith. It says, next phrase there, it says, by the which he condemned the world. That's the communication that went on. Some people think it was about 120 years it took Noah to build that ark. It may have been, um, there, you can also do math and get some calculations where it may not have taken that long based on his sons and when they were born and things like that. There's at least 50 to 75, may have been 120 years. Regardless, it was a long time that Noah built that ark. What do you think? It must have been a sight to behold if you were back living at that time, anybody watching what was going on. Do you think that there were no neighbors who thought that, that Noah was completely off his rocker? Rain? What's that? That he's a, he is a spiritual holier-than-thou, Bible-thumping nut? Um, do you think that there was maybe a few complaints to the homeowners association about that monstrosity that Noah was constructing in the backyard. And can you imagine being one of Noah's sons, daughters, or grandkids? Do you think they got made fun of by the rest of the world for their dad's beliefs and choices? God calls Noah in 2 Peter 2.5. It calls him a preacher of righteousness, which is interesting because we don't have a record of any sermon that, that Noah might have delivered by mouth. Calls him a preacher of righteousness. But he gave a sermon. He gave an at least decades long one with every nail that was driven, with every pull of the saw, with every blow of the hammer, Noah revealed this warning of God to the entire world around him. There's a coming judgment. <laughs> they pound the hammer again. Turn from your sin. Turn to God. And he pulled that saw back. He's made a way of escape. You don't have to endure that or experience that. Go through that. And the same is true today. 
We need dads who will be like Noah and who will communicate the warning that God has given us in his word about what's ahead. So desperately, we need dads who are courageous enough to stand against this wicked world and to point others to the ark that God has made, the way of escape from the peril that's ahead. It's only through the cross of Jesus Christ. We need dads who will love their kids enough to say, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. No, I don't care what they think, what they say, that everybody else is doing it. We need dads who love their kids enough to do all they can to bring them to the ark that God has prepared for us in Jesus Christ instead of letting them be whatever this world calls normal or cool and go down with the rest of this world. Dads, will you communicate to your family that popularity in this world, that is not to be your goal, but it's to have a relationship, a real intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Holiness, that's your goal. Will you communicate that in word, in deed? Dads, communicate that warning to your kids. You can't receive it for them. You can't believe it for them. But you can communicate it. You can make sure they hear it. You can do all you can to make sure they've been warned. Dads, granddad, mom, grandma, say, I don't have any kids. Yeah, you do. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a bunch of little ones here, and some of them don't have a dad. Some of them don't have a, a grandfather or a mom even. They need to receive this warning. They need you to be involved in the ministries of our church that, that try to be that father figure to them or that mother figure so that they can receive this warning. They have that example of how to get into that ark. I know where I'm going when I leave this world, but I don't want to spend it. I don't want to spend eternity in heaven without my family there. I can't imagine that. Won't you do whatever it takes, mom and dad, to get them to the ark? What about the compensation? Verse 7 ends by saying that Noah became an heir of righteousness that is by faith. Was it worth it? Everything that Noah had to endure, he received the warning, he responded to the warning, he revealed the warning to everybody, got made fun of. Was it worth it? Well, he, he and his family made it. As I said earlier, every critter we've got running around here today is here today because he did. Yeah, the compensation afterward was worth it. There's a payoff. It's an eternal one. I don't know how well off Noah was before the flood, but he and his family owned everything afterwards. More importantly, it says here he became an heir of righteousness that is by faith. He had a relationship with God through faith. He had eternal life. It reminds me of a truth that Jesus shared once in Matthew 16, 26. Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world will lose their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And C.S. Lewis said the same thing. He said, aim for heaven and you're going to get earth thrown in. You aim for earth and get neither. Neither. Dads, what are you aiming at today? What are you aiming your kids at? Moms? Grandpa? Grandma? Christian? What are you aiming at? Is your life so consumed by the here and now? A busyness of life? No, I'm not, I'm not wicked. I'm not violent. Life so consumed just about eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, 
that you're not thinking about and you're not teaching the kids to think about the then and there, what's most important. Maybe you're aiming at a new job, a new truck, a new boat. Nothing wrong with any of that. But are you aiming at the cross? Are you aiming your family there because you've been there yourself? Are you aiming your kids as best you can? Are you aiming them at that arc? If not, won't you commit to do that this morning? Won't you tell God right now? I mean, they don't have to wait for a time of invitation. Say, God, I need your help. There's a little one here that you've given me. And they're going to spend eternity somewhere. God, I want you to use me to do all that I can to make sure that they get on that ark. That they go to the cross of Jesus Christ. That they enter eternity in heaven one day. You say, God, I've heard this message from my father Noah today, and I want to be a man of faith like him that impacts my family for Jesus Christ, that impacts my church, my community. Help me get him on the ark, Lord. Give me the courage that's going to be required, the strength that I'm going to need to lead my family to Jesus and everything I say and do. Will you tell God that this morning? This time he comes and leads us in a time of invitation. However, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and called you to respond to his word this morning. I just ask that you'd obey.